Cynthia, and you're listening to Quotidian Musings. Every once in a while, we'll unravel topics more suited for evening pontificating than your high school classroom. Episodes flow from solo exploration of ideas to interviews incorporating external perspectives. We will leave you at the end of each discussion with some final takeaways and a short and sweet book-slash-TV-slash-movie recommendation. Today, we'll be looking at the ethics behind money. I think it's really interesting that money is something that we come into contact with every day. We exchange it at stores, we exchange it on, in online shopping, yet we aren't able to talk about how we view money on a day-to-day basis. Money is now more, has now evolved to more than a method of efficient trade. Nowadays, it stars in political scandals of bribery and corruption. It holds everybody's reputations on spending in check and is also a really sensitive topic. I've seen parents fight over who pays their dinner check, and it's both hilarious and really annoying. And at least to me, it seems like the social norm is to not ask for someone's annual salary over lunch break. Not all conversation starters are made equal. See, I haven't studied economics, but from the all-knowing Crash Course economics series, economics was explained as the study of people and choices, of human behavior, of wealth, and humankind. Friends in AP and IB economics, though, have told me that about the theories and rules and graphs they memorized for exams. Even though they memorize all these things, they say that these theories hardly ever apply to the real world, because economics Um, assumes that everybody is a rational decision maker, that every choice they make is based on a need that they want. For instance, I'm buying these shoes because I need to walk. (laughs) I'm buying this loaf of bread because I need to feed my family. When not all um, economic decisions are like that, not everybody is a rational decision maker in that sense. So I'm going to leave the hardcore economics to the professionals, but from what little I've Red, I guess. I think it's intriguing how much more meaning money has nowadays. From world history and like the beginnings of trade, utilizing money as the middleman between producing, purchasing, acquiring property to now, it feels like a lot has changed. Because money is more than a means to an end. Money is more than the in-between between like the in-between middleman between trading grapes for silk or something like that. It's an end in of itself. People can lust over money directly instead of the stuff that money can acquire. This thought is echoed in Aristotle's politics, where he argues that, quote, we should treat objects in ways that are befitting to their fundamental nature. And since money is not meant to be a good in of itself, a good as in a product, but only a medium of exchange, It's unnatural to desire money as an end in itself. It's unnatural to desire money as a good. Marx also expressed similar sentiments. He said that capitalism has turned money, has turned the system of CMC, or commodity to money to commodity, has turned the cycle into MCM, or money to commodity to money. Instead of commodities being the end goal, money is the final goal. Some people argue that capitalism and money, with capitalism and money's new character, Adam Smith's invisible hand could propel economies through trade and specialization of labor. Others think that profit motive could in turn act as a motive for constructing work ethic. 
But the question is, is pursuing profit motive something that should be our sole motivation for work, for productivity, for pursuing whatever happiness means? <laughs> Can, can't believe that we should do right things because they are right, not for any external reason, reasons. In IB philosophy class, we call these deontological moral theories. I can never say that right. His categorical imperatives come to mind as some of his universal quote-unquote moral rules. So why is profit motive something that is despised as evidence of greed instead of just a simple trading device that it has been? Now, if we look into virtue ethics, we can argue that money is despised because of its potential to unlock vices in people, namely greed. With rapid technological advancements, anyone can make anything, monetize anything, profit from anything. Is it weird to think that now we want to monetize or utilize every single moment in our lives? I think that might be one of the reasons behind this toxic hustle culture, which is now made more apparent by the COVID-19 epidemic and that whole spiel on productivity, how if you don't use your time correctly and if you haven't written your first novel by the end of COVID-19, then you're absolutely useless. But no, maybe one of the reasons why this toxic hustle culture exists to just earn more and more and the sheer amount of is because of the sheer amount of consumerism wafting everywhere around us, from those elevator ads that we see to YouTube videos that we watch for fun. There's this mentality of buying and buying and selling and selling that is woven into our reality. So why do we keep on running on this hamster wheel of consumerism? Let's sort this into one of those step poems that we see. <laughs> I always want to write one of those poems, but I can never get it right. Step one, create advertisements that convince consumers they don't have something that they apparently need. For instance, a perfect body, quote, quote, quotes, heavy quotes on that one, a pair of pants in a specific shade of green, a trendy leopard print jacket, something that they really don't need, but convince them that they do need it. And they do need it because they don't have it. Step two, when consumers want the product, they'll think they need it too. Step three, consumers work to earn money to get said products. Step four, consumers purchase the product. And step five, as the instant gratification of buying something dies down, repeat the cycle. This is a really, really simplified version of um, a take on consumerism, but we convince ourselves either way that money can buy happiness in the form of goods, in the form of a makeup product that we want, in the form of a piece of clothing that we wish we had but didn't have. And no matter how many times that we realize that it can't, that that piece of clothing loses its um, surrealism, I guess, once it's off the online charts and now into our closets, no matter how many times we realize this, that we can't buy happiness with money, well, not long-term happiness anyways, but external factors and peer pressure add up beyond consumerism, beyond capitalism, beyond the constant humdrum of selling and selling and selling. We lust over lives that we don't want, but think that we need. For instance, the house that our friend just bought, but we don't want ourselves. The marriage that our sister has, but we didn't and we don't really want at this point in our lives. 
maybe all of these things snowball into ourselves, embed themselves within our value systems until we are ready to do anything for money, until we have a heightened selfishness and greed and yearning to acquire more than we really need as individuals, at least. We all see the consequences of greed plastered over the media, the elitism, corruption, the poverty, the needless poverty. This association between money, consumerism, and greed also builds and adds a negative connotation to money as a whole, which makes it a sensitive topic to talk about, and maybe the reason why you can't ask for your co-worker's salary over lunch. But how do we see monetary ethics operate in the study of economics? Stay tuned for an interview with high school economics teacher Mrs. Sarah McKenzie. Hi, Ms. McKenzie. Today's episode explores ethics behind and beyond money. When thinking of the economists in our school, the first person who came to mind is you. As an economist and a teacher, how do you think the study or practice of economics is related to the ethics of handling money? It's a very interesting question. Um, So I think that economics is a study of human behavior and the choices that people make. And ethics, uh, you know, of course, is a study of maybe morality and, and making good choices for people. And so I think there's an obvious connection between the ways in which people spend money and try and um, you know participate in our daily kind of economic system and making good choices, making choices that are going to be best for the people around them, best for society, best for the earth. Do you think economics is restrictive or flexible as a study operating in the real world? Oh, I love that question. So the economics that I teach here is, uh, it's one-on-one level, right? It's, it's the economics that you'll get first year in university. Um, so it's very basic and it's very theoretical. And it's, it's focused on understanding the underlying reasons behind why certain things exist in the economy, right? But that said, the theory that I'm teaching doesn't always apply to reality. So it's very, very important to know. But once you get to university and beyond, then you can start to apply multiple variables and and really begin to, to understand the complexity that is the worldwide economic system. How do you see ethics in macroeconomics on a larger scale beyond individual markets to a national or regional level? Can you repeat the question? How do you see ethics in macroeconomics? So macroeconomics is a study of governments and large-scale economies and, and economic decisions. And I think ethics is is crucial to making, uh, you know, having a strong ethical foundation is very, very important to making macroeconomic decisions that are going to impact hundreds, thousands, millions, even billions of people worldwide. For example, the current COVID-19 pandemic 
And again, you know, I, I think that the, the concept of ethics and what is ethical for a human to do, what is ethical for a government to do is very complex. And, and I'm super excited to kind of unpack that. But I'd argue with this current pandemic, we're seeing the profound impact that unethical decision-making has had on individuals, right? And in economic sense, um, you know, in the United States, for example, people are losing their jobs for no reason. Uh, we're having a, a cyclical unemployment that is not related to any sort of a normal uh, business cycle. And that, I would argue, is unethical in a macroeconomic sense. Is there anything else you would like to add on the topic? Of ethics? Ethics and in between. Well, I, I hope that in a globalized world, people are starting to recognize the impact of individual decisions on the rest of the world. And my understanding of ethical living is for all humans to recognize their role and to behave in an ethical manner, even if it provides or, or causes some short-term negative economic consequences. So for example, uh, paying maybe more for something that you know was not made by sweatshop labor or um, you know, buying something that did not cause negative externalities such as pollution. Uh, things, you know, decisions like this I think are ethical and are very important for people who have the ability to, to make those decisions, um, I think are, are very important for people to make. I think we all need to be thinking about our role in creating a more ethical and, and moral and supportive world. Okay, thank you for your time as Mackenzie. Today we covered the ethics of money from a global scale to a national one, from personal spending and the rational decision maker in economics to behavioral economics, where every choice you make sends a message about who you are to the world. Now for our recommendation of the day. Noam Chomsky and Edward Herman's Manufacturing Consent, the Political Economy of the Mass Media unveils how US news, as bias-free as they claim to be, is more propaganda-esque than anyone would admit. Aspiring journalists and politicians alike, this is a must-read. We read it for Abbey Global Politics, and many acquaintances cited it in their debate speeches, so it's good to know either way. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Quotidian Musings. See you sometime soon for some more mediocre content. In the words of Douglas Adams's Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so long and thanks for the fish. Thank you.